Well, welcome everybody. It's great to see you this weekend, and uh, thanks for gathering together and uh, joining together as a church family. Um, a couple things I want to talk about before I get rolling. One <coughs> is I hope if you haven't taken a, a tour of the, the building on Gent Road that you do that, uh, and you can do that later on this afternoon and, and encourage you to do that. If you're watching online, come in and do that. If you're over at Montrose, pop over and do that. And, uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, go over there. It's fun to see how that's grown and it's huge and developing and uh, I want you to check it out and celebrate that a little bit. So make sure you take that tour. Uh, the other thing that I, I just want us to do is I want us to stop and pray for a minute. Um, <clears throat> we've got about, uh, the last number I saw was about 230 young adults on a retreat right now. And uh, I just know that God works in those retreats in a really powerful way. And uh, God can show up and there can be literally life-altering decisions in those environments. And so um, their leaders ask us to pray for them. And I would like to, to kind of honor that and do that. And I think it would be great as, as, as a church family, we kind of surround them a little bit as, uh, as they're uh, away. So would you pray with me? And if you know somebody on that retreat, if you have a, one of your kids or a friend that's on it, maybe just pray for them specifically as, as I pray, okay? Jesus, uh, thank you for um, Collective and Collective Young Adult Ministry, and thank you for the, uh, the community that you're building there, the lives that are being changed, people who are discovering you. And uh, God just thanks for the way that you're, you're working through that group. And as they're away this weekend, uh, God, I just ask that you work in a powerful way. I, I know that you have shown up in those settings time and time again and confident that you will do that even now. And so, Father, for those who are there and are lonely and discouraged, draw them into friendship. For those who are looking for you, draw them into salvation. And for those who are looking for a direction and trying to decide how to invest your life, uh, give them that calling and that purpose there. So, Father, we just surround them as a church family. We ask that you work in a powerful way, and we're excited to hear all that you did through, uh, through that retreat. So thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we've been talking uh, out of Matthew chapter 7 for the last couple of weeks, and I just want you to kind of get a visual for this. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 uh, where we're at is we're at the end of something that is called the Sermon on the Mount. And so there's a setting for this. If you can kind of get in your mind a hillside, kind of a natural amphitheater, Jesus is talking kind of at the bottom of that looking up, and there are hundreds, maybe thousands of people who are there listening to him teach. And what he's been doing is he's been explaining who he is, and he's been explaining what the kingdom of heaven is and what that's all about. And we've been talking about this conversation for a while, all the way back into the summertime, even into the spring, uh, we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, if you wanted to go on the website and catch up on all of that. But we're getting kind of to the end of it, and what Jesus is doing at the end of it is he's kind of wrapping up, so to say, the Sermon on the Mount, and what he's doing is he's bringing some clarity to people. They've been hearing all of these amazing things about who he is and, and why he's here, how he wants to interact with them, and then we're hearing it then through scripture, right? It's been really, really exciting. And you can just imagine kind of sitting in that, that setting and you're having 
all of these aha moments, like all these lights are coming on, the stuff you've been searching for, that you've been thinking about, this clarity is coming, this excitement that you're, you're kind of discovering something that you knew were missing. And Jesus has been doing all of that and all those different impressions are happening. And then he brings it down into a focus and he says, I want you to know that all of that is awesome, but I want you to know that it, there's also kind of like a cost to it. And we started talking about that last week. Pastor Joe walked us through some of this last week when Jesus started talking about these two pathways or these two gates. So in that context, Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few find it. So Jesus is talking to people, people who have all kinds of backgrounds, right? Some of them are ancient Jewish people. Uh, a lot of them are like just curiosity seekers. Some of them were raised like with other religions. There's a lot of religious activity at this time in history in that part of the world. So this whole plethora of people and they're hearing this stuff and the temptation is going to be to take this stuff that they're excited about, that Jesus is teaching, and just kind of plug it into their old belief systems. And he's like, hey, I'm glad you're excited about it, but you need to know that there's more to it than just like agreement that Jesus is awesome. You need to know that, that to follow me is actually this very narrow path there's a highway, kind of everybody's on that highway. There's a culture, there's religion, there's your own thinking. Like, that's kind of the normal stuff. But there's this narrow path, and that narrow path is actually me and me exclusively. So Jesus defines this later on in the Bible in John chapter 14. He, he gave this answer. He says, I, I am the way. I'm the gate. I'm the narrow way. I'm the way, the truth of life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. So he's looking at these folks and he's trying to lay that, that idea out. He's like, this is not just spirituality. This is not just like improvement on your thinking. I'm talking about following me and following me exclusively. And you need to know, I know you're excited about all this, but you need to know that that way is narrow and that way is difficult and that way has a cost to it, and I am that way. There is nothing else, no one else. I am that way, right? So Jesus kind of reaches this conclusion. You can kind of feel the, the hillside. Like, you feel the buzz. Can you believe what this guy is saying? Can you believe all we knew? And he told those guys to stop it, and all this is amazing. And then you can kind of feel that weight come in a little bit, where he's like, by the way... This is a narrow, difficult, costly way, and that's what it means to follow me, right? So he brings that clarity. Pastor Joe walked us through that last weekend, and then he continues with this conversation. The very next thing he says is fascinating, and the, the reason that I want to talk to you about it this weekend is because I think the very next thing he says is, is very, very relevant to the way that we think today and to our lives today, all right? So the very next thing he says is this. After he says there's a narrow way, there's a broad way, and he says I am the way, he says this, 
I want you to beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. So everybody's excited about what Jesus is teaching. A lot of this is like new thinking. It's a new way to see the world. Everybody's kind of getting their head around it, right? And then he's like, by the way, I'm not, talk- I'm not throwing out ideas for you just like to add on to whatever. I'm telling you, there's a narrow gate. There's a broad gate. The broad way is a highway to hell or highway to destruction. The narrow gate is me. And I want you to know that there's a bunch of people that are going to take what I said and they're going to try to add to it. These people are false prophets and they come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. God calls us, Jesus calls his followers his sheep. So what Jesus is saying, he's saying there's false prophets. These aren't like the the atheists and the Satanists and the whateverist. These are people who are going to be near you and they're gonna take what I said and they're gonna add to it or they're gonna subtract it. And when they add to it or they take away from it, I want you to know they're not talking about the narrow way anymore. There's people that are gonna come and they're gonna say things that sound familiar to you. They're gonna use Bible words. They're gonna use verses. They're gonna use teaching. They're gonna use my name. And they're going to teach you things that aren't true. They're going to look at you and say, you know what, we, you can go on the, on the highway and just add Jesus in. You can, as long as you add Jesus, you can do whatever else you want as long as you got a little Jesus in your life. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about that. You can go, you can follow Jesus, but it only benefits you. It only blesses you and prospers you. And Jesus is like, now I, remember I said it was narrow and it was difficult. He's like, there's going to be people that in my name, using my word, uh, leveraging my credibility, they're going to be close to you, in you, and around you, and they're going to teach you falsely. And you need to be aware of it. You need to be aware of it. Right? Now, I think this is so relevant today. And it's so relevant today because of this thing this thing, right? So our phones or the internet has changed everything in our lives. And we are a a group of people that has never existed this way in the history of humanity. And this is what has happened. We live in the information age. I think the information age is great because the information age brings all kinds of truth into my life, right? I love it. I love that whenever I need an answer, all I have to do is go search it. And I want to work on my lawnmower and I'm not sure what to do, I just go search it. Because somebody has worked on their lawnmower and videotaped it. If I'm trying to build on my house and I don't know what to do, I just go search it. And somebody will tell me how to do that. Even when I'm getting ready for like to talk with you on the weekends, I'm like, I wonder what that passage means. I go search it. And I'll get all kinds of people's opinions about what that passage means. This device brings all kinds of truth into my life. This is not evil. This is not the Antichrist. This is not the mark of the beast. This is just your phone. That's all that it is. And it's a pathway of truth. Never before 
in the history of humanity, and there's no exaggeration, never before in the history of humanity has humanity had so much access to truth. Never before. Could you, with the, with punching some things with your thumbs, whoever thought you would write with your thumbs? Never before have you had so much access to truth. Ready? And then you flip it. And never before have false prophets had so much access to me. I've never before in, in the history of humanity have I been able to sin so easily. All I gotta do is punch some stuff with my thumbs and I can look at anything. Never before have I had so many false ideas thrown before me. Because when you Google a God question, you're going to get a bunch of answers about it. And never before has someone been able to taint the gospel and present it to me in a way that I think makes sense to me because it's just the list that came up when I put the search in. So never before has this passage been, so to say, as relevant as it is right now, where Jesus is like, guys, there's all this wonderful stuff about who I am and who you are and and what I came to do and your access. Never before has the truth been so accessible. And never before have followers of Christ needed to beware of false prophets who disguise themselves as sheep but are actually vicious wolves, right? Now, Jesus goes on, and he says this, as he continues with his teaching, he's like, watch out for these guys. I'm just giving you a heads up that you gotta watch out because this is awesome, and what they're gonna do, they're gonna taint it, they're gonna twist it, they're gonna pervert it. They're not gonna come in and say, worship the devil instead. They're, they're gonna be disguised as sheep, so watch out for them, and, and this, is what, this is how you can see them. This is how you can identify them, Jesus says. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So Jesus is like, hey, watch out, because there's this narrow way, there's this broad way, and a lot of people are going to try to tell you that the broad way is the narrow way, and they're going to they're abuse my name in the process. Jesus wants this for you. And he says, I want you to beware that that's coming at you. It's always going to come at you. And I want you to know how to spot it. So I want you to look at their lives, and I want you to see the outcome of their lives. Because a good tree is not going to have a sinful outcome. A good teacher is not going to have a sinful outcome. A bad teacher is not going to have a godly outcome because a bad tree cannot produce good fruit, and so you have to identify them by their actions. You wanna look for these things. Now what's fascinating is this, as you go further into the New Testament, 
you'll start to see the Apostle Paul, you'll start to see Jude, Jesus' brother, talk about this. You'll see Peter talk about it. And they're, all, they're talking a lot about false prophets and true prophets. And they're talking a lot about that because what Jesus warned about immediately starts to happen. Immediately, people start taking Jesus' teachings and they start to taint them and manipulate them and misuse them. False prophets disguised as sheep start to show up in the early church. So what, what we experience over the internet, they were experiencing in real life all the time. And so immediately, the early church is starting to define and to show what good fruit is and what bad fruit is. So what I want to do this weekend, I want to show you bad fruit. I want to show you what the Bible says is good fruit. And then I want to introduce you to the biggest false prophet of our day. Okay? So we'll start with the bad fruit. So Jude is a book in the Bible. Jude was written by Jesus' brother, one of his brothers, and Jude was dealing with this issue in the early church. He, he was trying to help them see exactly what Jesus warned about. And I want to take you through Jude, and I want to show you some of the characteristics of a false prophet that Jude points out, okay? So Jude only has one chapter. So Jude chapter 1, verse 4, you start to see some of these characteristics. He repeats Jesus' warning. And he says there's going to be some ungodly people who worm their way into your churches. These are not people who are anti-Jesus. These are not people who like hate God. These are people who are taking Jesus' name and his teachings and twisting them in some way. So it's happening to them just like it would happen to us. So he starts to identify these people and what they're like. So he says this, these people who claim to have authority from their dreams live in moral lives defy authority, and scoff at supernatural beings. So these people are going to look and say, my authority comes from what God tells me. Now you might look, or I would look and say, but the Bible says this. No, 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 I had a dream. And God told me in my dream something that's completely contrary to what God said in his word. And Judah's like, yep, the minute that happens, your radar should go up. Because that is a sign of a false prophet. They're going to live in moral lives. God, God, God told me in a dream that I didn't have to live by a, a, a Christ-centered sexual ethic. God told me in a dream that my identity was whatever I wanted it to be. God told me in a dream that I could, I could leave my wife. I didn't have to be faithful to her. So you got to understand, God speaks to me. And Jude says, when you start to see stuff like that, like, beware, because they're going to have all kinds of verses, they're going to have all kinds of thoughts, but they're going to defy the authority, the spiritual authority, and they're going to kind of do whatever they want to do, and they're going to claim that that comes because God speaks to them. He doesn't speak to you, he just speaks to them. He gives more of these characteristics. He said, these people will scoff at things they don't understand. They'll make fun of it. Peter talks about this. You've been saying for centuries that Jesus is going to come back. Where is he? Well, I don't see him. They're going to scoff at things that they don't understand. Like unthinking animals, they'll do whatever their instincts tell them to do. God, God would not want me to deny myself. He would not want me to not be happy. He would not want me to be untrue to my feelings. They're going to function on an instinct and do whatever their instincts tell them to do. 
They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. Your job as a church is to elevate me as your shepherd. You got to make me rich. You got to make me famous. And I'm pretty sure I need a private jet. And by the way, I just want to say as Grace Church, you're doing a terrible job at all of this right now, right? I'm not rich or famous, and I don't have a private jet, right? You, you have to understand who I am. You have to understand that God gave me to you. You have to elevate me. And I'm using people to care only for myself. These people are grumblers and complainers, living only to satisfy their desires, They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. And Jude is saying, hey, those people Jesus was talking about, they're going to look like that. And there's other parts of the Bible. Peter, Paul's going to say that these people Jesus is talking about, they're going to be lovers of money. They're going to want your money. Later on, Paul talks, he says, you know those people that, that Jesus was talking about? They're going to take spiritual authority and they're going to lord it over you. You do what I told you to do. I'm your pastor. Those people that Jesus was talking about, they're going to lack grace and love. They're going to have a bunch of rules to control your life, but they're not going to love you. They're not going to act in grace and they're not going to journey through life with you. They're going to be really, really huge celebrities. But when you get behind their life, you're going to find out that there's immorality. You're going to find out that there's hypocrisy. You're going to find out that there's control. You're going to find out that they're using people. They're abusing people. And they're a false teacher. Right? And they're going to come in the name of Jesus, but when you start looking at the fruits of their life, you're not going to find a life or a motive that reflects the life and the motive of Jesus. Right? Now, the Bible also teaches us what a trusted leader would look like. So Jesus says, look at their fruits. You can identify them by their fruits. False teacher, you can see that. But the Bible also teaches us what a trusted leader could look like. So the Apostle Paul talks about this, and he says this. He says, so a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. In other words, I'm looking at this person and they're not duplicitous. They're, they're not a jerk on the internet and all holy in small group. They're, they're not talking, preaching against the sin, but exercising it in private. They're not loving and kind publicly, but a jerk to everybody that works for them privately. Their life is above reproach. You're gonna find humanity, you're gonna find failings and struggles you're not going to find intentional, intentional hypocrisy in this person's life. They're going to be above that in a reproach. They're going to seek to live a life of integrity. This person, a faithful leader, needs to be faithful to his wife and vice versa to her husband. In other words, they have to have a Christ-centered marriage. The guy that cheats on his wife and is on his third divorce, you need to double-click on that guy. The, the, the wife that thinks her husband's a jerk and she wants to leave the, you need to double click on that person. If, if this isn't playing out in their marriage, has it totally taken root in their life? You would want to look for that 
and a leader. They must exercise self-control. They must live wisely. They must have a good reputation. In other words, when they're at work, people respect them and they respect their faith. People know that they're a follower of Christ. In the neighborhood, they're not the jerk in the neighborhood. They're the person that, oh, I know that lady. She's loving, she's kind, she's helpful. We always feel welcome in their house, right? They're gonna be respected and have a good reputation. They, they have to enjoy having guests in their home and be able to teach. Uh, he must not be a heavy drinker. He must not abuse his body and be addicted to things or violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome. Must not be a lover of money. He's going to use money to serve people because money is a tool, but he's not going to take that money for himself, Right? He must manage his own family well and have children who respect and obey him. When you talk to a leader's kids, do they roll their eyes when they talk about their mom and their dad? Do, do, when you talk to them, would they say, yeah, if you knew what dad was really like, I mean, everybody loves him, but he's a jerk. Or do they look and say, yeah, dad's as much of an idiot as he lets you know about all the time, which is an answer you would probably get from my children, right? No, he really is an idiot, right? He, he has failings, he has shortcomings, he's not faking it. Mom has failings, she has shortcomings, but she's not faking it. They're respected, they're loved, they have a healthy family in that regard. Uh, the, if a man cannot manage his, house, his own household, how can he manage the church? A church leader must not be a new believer or they'll become proud. So the Bible says if you just accepted Jesus, you need to cook for a little bit. You need to have a, a greater understanding of God's word. You need to allow people to speak some wisdom into your life. So the Bible would say new believers are absolutely incredible because they're, they're full of zeal, but they're not full of wisdom yet. So be careful that someone, just because someone is dynamic doesn't mean that you should fully trust them yet. Paul goes on, he says, they must be committed to the mystery of faith, now revealed and must live with a clear conscience. This is a big deal. In other words, these people are living their faith out. When you're looking for a leader, you're looking and saying, do they trust God? Do they trust God in prayer? Do they trust God with their money? Do they trust God to make decisions? Are they looking to the scriptures? Are they living out truly what they're teaching us to live out? He goes on, before they are appointed as deacons, let them be closely examined. If they pass the test, then let them serve. This is something that's important, and this is all through the scripture. In the scripture, the leaders spiritually are not the most dynamic people all the time. They are not the most powerful people all the time. And they're not the people that have been sitting in the church the longest. The people that are to be spiritual leaders are the people who are true to their faith. They want to know and they want to follow Jesus. They're willing to serve because they love the people that they're serving and then the scripture says they are appointed after being examined. This is a unique part. These are God's words. This isn't church rules. These are God's words. Where God will look and say, leaders need to examine the life of those who, are, who want to be leaders. And they need to pass that examination. I'm going to talk to your wife. Is he legit 
or is he a jerk? I'm going to talk to your boss. Is she legit or is she a jerk? I'm going to talk to your kids. Is mom and dad legit? I didn't say perfect. I just said legit. Talk to your friends. Are they, like when you guys are out partying, are they right there in the thick of it with you? Or is there a difference? Are they legit with their money? Because a false teacher loves money. A true teacher is not dominated by money. Are they legit with power? When they get a little bit of authority, do they lord it over people's heads or do they use it to try to serve people? It's gonna be examined. And after the leaders have examined, then there's an appointment. It's not just somebody sticking up and saying, I'm in charge now, or I got the biggest checkbook, right? Or I'm trending, or I'm the new fad, or I wrote a book, or I have the, I have the best uh, Snapchat. What's behind their life is what Jesus is saying. What, what kind of tree is that fruit growing on? And you would look at that and you would understand it. And Jesus says, what will happen, guys, is that tree will always reveal itself. It will always reveal itself. It's not just trusting whatever, because there, there is all kinds all kinds of truth that's coming at us, and it's wonderful. There's, there's never been greater access to truth in, in our lives, and there's all kinds of falsehoods coming at us. And Jesus says, you just gotta be careful. You gotta watch out. And you need to examine it, and you need to know what is coming at you before you decide that you're gonna follow that, right? There's bad teachers, there's good teachers, and there's Jesus' warning, okay? All right, now, I want everybody to take their phone out. If you got your phone, take your phone out and uh, open up your camera app if you, if you got your phone. So take your phone out. I'm serious, take your phone out and open up your camera app. And if you want to zoom in on me real quick, take a picture, uh, you can do that. You can be your screensaver. Here, I'll give you some cold steel. I've done this before, you can probably tell, all right? All right, now, that's what I want you to do. I want to introduce you to the greatest false teacher in your life, right? I want you to hold your phone up, and I want you to reverse the image on your camera. Look at it. Oh, I can see myself and the screen. That's a picture. Did you do it? You're looking at the greatest false teacher in your life. Probably the thought process that is most prevalent in our culture today is this one. I need to trust myself. I need to find my truth. I need to live my truth. I need to claim my identity. I need to live my identity. And I need to hold on to that with everything that's in me. Right? Ready? A true teacher calls you to a true gospel while wrestling through grace and truth with you. A true teacher calls you to a true gospel while wrestling through grace and truth with you. That's why this guy on the internet, he's great because there's great access to truth, but be careful, he's not really your spiritual leader. That celebrity guy over there, they're great. And, and I, I mean, a lot of you watch on the internet, so I, 
but you need to have this localized, right? Because a true teacher, a false teacher, calls you to themselves. A false teacher calls you to selfishness. A false teacher calls you to your own version of truth. A true teacher calls you to the gospel, and then they'll journey with you. Ready? Nobody believes me more than me. Nobody tells me a better lie than I tell myself. Nobody looks out and calls me to myself more than myself. Nobody can justify sin to me better than I can justify it to me. Nobody can bend the scripture in my life better than I can bend the scripture in my life. I am the greatest liar. I am the most selfish. I am the most narcissistic person left to myself that I will ever interact with. The person that I trust the least in my life is me. And if I think that I'm going to call myself to the truth, that's just self-deception. It's just self-deception. I'm gonna call myself to secrets. I'm gonna call myself to hypocrisy. I'm gonna call myself to self-righteousness. Jesus is disruptive to me. And when a teacher calls me to the gospel, the gospel comes into my life. The gospel, the very first person the gospel is ever going to square off with is me. I am the greatest false teacher in my life. And you are the greatest false teacher in your life. Now, ready? Jesus says, watch out. Watch out. Because you are going to speak. Trust yourself. Believe in yourself. Find your truth. Jesus would look and say, what are you talking about? That's, that's nuts. I'm the way. That's the highway. Everybody does that. The narrow way is leaving self and following me. Today, maybe like never before, but certainly in a very amplified way, we are taught to love, live, and trust ourselves. And guys, I love you. I love you. But that is a very dangerous place to be. In fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. I used to say years ago, I used to say, people don't come to church to find God, they come to church because they have problems. They're looking for answers. I've kind of changed that statement. And what I say today is this. People don't come to church to find God. They come to church to be agreed with. 
They want God, we want God to endorse our lives. We want God to endorse our opinions. We want God to, to make our path straight so that we can live and do whatever we want. And if God doesn't do that, we will ignore God. We will change the scriptures to try to make it not say what it says. We will resist God. We will rebel against God. And if necessary, we'll push God out of our lives and anybody else out of our life that does not agree with us. And we will look for teachers who will tell us whatever we want to hear. And that search is as simple as it has ever been in the history of humanity. All you gotta do is punch it in. And those false teachers will show up and they will show up with scripture and they will show up with tainted theology and they will show up with unsound doctrine. And they will look and say, this plain speak in scripture that's been there for 2,000 years and the most studied book in the history of humanity, it doesn't mean that anymore. We just found out, like two months ago, it means something completely different. And it happens to agree with our point of view. Jesus didn't mean die to yourself. Jesus didn't mean pick up your cross and follow him. Jesus only wants to bless me and prosper me and make my life be what I envision it to be. I need to speak that into truth. Jesus didn't, didn't say anything about sexual ethic. Jesus didn't say anything about having authority over my body. That's all me. That's not what the Bible says. You're reading it wrong. And all you gotta do is search, and you can find all the truth in the world, or if you search, you can really easily find somebody who will agree with you. And that's not somebody coming to get you, that's you looking for something. I am the greatest false prophet in my life. Because I, I want to be the truth. I want to be the way. And by nature of who he is, Jesus steps in and says, listen, uh, it doesn't work that way. Because if you're the truth, that means I'm not. And if I am, that means you're not. And I am. All kinds of people believe that they're the truth. All kind, everybody thinks that God endorses their life. I'm telling you, there's a narrow way. And it's difficult. And the most difficult part, part of it is the interruption to you. Oh, everybody thinks their way is the best way. Everybody thinks that their idea is the best way. I'm telling you, there's a narrow way, and I am that way, and I'm telling you it's difficult, and, and the most difficult thing of it is you're, you're gonna have to work against your own instinct because your, your own instinct, the nature of sin is that it's always narcissistic and self-centered. And all this wonderful stuff about the Son of Man, and I came to rescue, and it's all true. But it's not information that you just add on to some aspect of your life. You need to know that it's true in the narrow way. There's a, there's a way, there's a way that I define. Now, there's a way that seems right to you, 
but the end, it leads to death. There's a truth, like you're looking for a truth, and you're looking for something, it exists, it's easy to find, but it, it's not a truth that you're going to self-discover. There's a path, and, and there, there's, that path can be discovered and understood, but you don't write it. And Jesus, as he's laying this out, he's like, and I, I get it. I get that you're going to come across all kinds of things. I understand how this works, and I understand the human heart. So be careful. Be careful about these false teachers. This is what they look like. Look for godly teachers. This is what they look like. And reverse the camera. Because, because the one that you're going to struggle with the most is that one. Right? Because your heart is going to long for something that's going to lead you away from me. Ready? Which is the exact reason why I came. I love you. I want to rescue you. I want to interrupt you. I'm doing that because I'm passionate for you. I'm not trying to make your life miserable. I'm trying to take you down the only path that's actually going to lead to life. And you can't find it without me because I am that path. Right. And guys, I think, I think the day and age we live in, it's... it's uncanning how wise Jesus is. Okay. How wise he is. And our need for discernment and our need to trust in him and our need to place faith in him and our need to place ourselves under his authority. Because we got every option on the planet. Like literally, every option on the planet. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with your phone unless it's not an Apple product, right? Nothing, that's, not, that's not the issue. The issue is that this feeds into my heart. And if I'm looking for something to justify myself, it's easy, easy peasy to find, right? Okay. Would you maybe bow your heads with me and... Pray for a minute as the band comes out. As I wonder if you just take a minute here. I think it's so important to be still. I think we don't, we're not good at it and church is one of the, one of the only places that we stop and chill for a minute. So I really encourage you to redeem this time Maybe look in your heart and ask God to show you places that you've lied to yourself. And they're going to probably look like places of rebellion, of willful sin, places that we don't want to humble ourselves between before God and maybe before somebody else. They're going to look like regrets. They're going to look like brokenness. They're going to look like conviction. 
I know that the times when I've asked Jesus to show me this stuff, it, it's a little eye-opening and it stings a little bit. But I also know that those are the times that I experience His grace and His love and His forgiveness and His mercy the most deeply because I admit that I need it. Jesus, in these moments, would you powerfully interact with us, God? Would you let us see ourselves? And let us see the other false teachers around us. Just heed your warning. And God, by humbling ourselves, would you make yourself real to us? Let us receive your forgiveness and rest in your grace and grateful for your mercy in our lives. And Lord, you know that we wander on our own. We're lost on our own. So thank you for being the way. We need truth. We need to know what to build our lives on. So thank you for being truth. And thank you for the life that you want to give us. God, in these quiet moments, would you just press into us?